Amen. It's great to gather to worship with you every single Sunday. So welcome back. Uh, if you're first time here, welcome. I know it takes courage coming to a new place, and we're just thrilled that you're here. And, and we're kind of wrapping up a series, and so I'm going to do a little bit of a review for us. That Tonight's kind of our last night for it, and leaning into some of what Gabe was praying about there at the end of just how do you grow a generous heart like God. We've been looking at this series called Jesus, Money, and You, and Me, and like how do you kind of deal with money, that the reality is every single one of us have to navigate living life around this and with this and, and kind of in conjunction and connection to it. And the, the reality is this is just a thing, but we all have feelings for this thing. Amen? There's feelings that go with this. There's feelings of joy sometimes. There's always feelings of anguish at other times. And even though it's just a thing, we have a connection to it. And Jesus knew that. Like, he had a lot to say about money. The scriptures have a lot to say about money. There's over 2,300 verses all around the concept of money and how we're to deal with it because the writers and Jesus knew that there would always be this tug of war going on emotionally when it comes to this reality of how we deal with money. And so maybe you're here and you're like, I'm in college I got loans, you know, money, uh, hope to make that someday. Uh, for others of you, you're kind of leaving in life, and you're like, I got kids, and they got all my money, and just, you know, maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're kind of moving toward retirement, and you're like, okay, wow, I wish I had done better, but I got some, you know, maybe you in there. So whatever the gamut is, and, and everyone's at a different place in that. Our hope and our, our, our prayer has been that somewhere along the way, God would kind of give you your next step in this. Because the reality is, you and I, from the time we're born, maybe let's give us, you know, age two when we start asking for stuff, um, all the way up to the grave, we're going to wrestle with this. This doesn't go away. Jesus knew that. In fact, he talked about it in this verse we've been using kind of as the key verse, Matthew six twenty four to the Sermon on the Mount. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one, love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, Jesus isn't saying you shouldn't have money. He's not saying you shouldn't deal with money or you use money. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is there's going to be this tug of war for your heart and what your heart devotes itself to. And it's going to either go toward kind of money because that seems to be the thing that and kind of dominates our culture, or it'll go toward God, and it'll be this tension you have to wrestle with. It's not a problem you're going to solve and be done with it and never have to think about it again. It's this tension you have to continually, and I'll have to continually wrestle with to get around, that there is this competition for your allegiance, your attention, your affection in regards to money and God. That's why Jesus mentioned those two things. So the very first week, we looked at kind of some four biblical money shifts that we need to make, uh, and, and I just encourage you, if you got that, um, if you missed that week, you can go back in the app or on Vimeo on YouTube and, and find that, some mental shifts that we need to make when it comes to money last week. We looked at some wisdom, uh, some money wisdom. How do you kind of get your mind around and, and begin to make space and begin to have some wisdom in how we relate to money? And we started with the idea that nobody's batting a thousand. Uh, how many of you have made money mistakes, remember? That's everybody. You're in a room of friends, right? And so it's like the reality is we've all made mistakes with this. Well, no one's batting a thousand of that. And so we're called as managers, not owners, 
to get wise about how we deal and navigate and utilize money. So how we go about doing that is a big deal. Now, my, uh, wisdom is not a tangible thing. Uh, listen to this verse, Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold or good judgment than silver? We understand gold and silver. They're tangible. We can touch them when you know their value. And what the, the scripture writer here is writing is saying, look, wisdom is more valuable. And you want to get that. It's maybe intangible. It may be invisible. But it's a necessary skill set that you need. And so when it comes to money, we kind of looked at two key takeaways. One was just, what would it look like to begin to, to kind of live with some margin? Remember, we held up the piece of paper and we said, okay, as you get older in uh, middle school, high school, you start kind of writing all over the page and you kind of get outside of the margins. And the reality is some people, we can get caught up living that way. That's actually how our culture pushes us, to say live all the way to the edge. But the problem of living all the way to the edge is sometimes when you get to the edge, you fall off. And so what would it look like to begin to live with a little more margin? Uh, when it comes to our finances and navigating that. And we also talked about flipping the buckets. Remember that? We talked about these three buckets here. We said, okay, there's, there's a reality of the live bucket. There's a reality of the save bucket. And the reality of the give bucket. And how our culture kind of shows us and pushes us to say is, look, live all the way to the edge. And so, like, all your money goes into this bucket. Save, well, you know, if your employer will do it, that'd be great. Um, but like this idea of saving, I don't know, I kind of like that shirt more, so I'm going to live. And so you kind of continue to live toward that edge, maybe save tiny, tiny bit and give. Oh, golly. Whew. Um, you know what? I'll put some change in the, in the red buckets around Christmas, and that'll make me feel better. Like the ding, 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 okay, I'm coming. Uh, and so like you, you get change out of your car to do that. But the reality is what the scriptures are saying is what if we flip the buckets? And what if we said, okay, we're going to move the give bucket here, and we're going to make it give, this idea of giving to God a priority. And you've got to figure out between you and him kind of what that looks like. What does it mean to look, uh, and I just challenge people all the time, just think, think priority and then think percentage. Like, we're not tipping God because, like, he's a good waiter. Um, like, we're actually saying, God, we're going to honor you as kind of the owner of all things. You've called me to manage and steward, and so I want to give to you first. I want to save a little bit for my future. Then I want to just kind of be smart about things. And so I'm going to try to work the way I can. And I know for some of you, you, you saw images last week and you're like, ah, I can't even get there. Listen, listen, <laughs> don't quit, okay? Just what would it look like for you to begin to take a step toward maybe getting to where you could flip the buckets to say, okay, I'm going to give to God. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to save some. This is what my daughter's favorite line was. Hey, Jesus saves and you should too. So, and then live, I'm going to live on the rest. So because I'm learning to live with margin, I'm not living all the way to the edge. And so I'm going to flip the buckets and I'm going to kind of make this a pattern for how I want to get. Now, you may not be there, and I wasn't there for a while. And so it was just deliberate choices of saying, hey, how do we begin to try to get here? 
And so you just begin to make those choices. And month after month and year after year, you kind of walk with God and say, I want to live with this kind of rhythm to life versus what the world says to life. And so tonight, I will kind of wrap up this series. Just one quick tidbit and invite. Again, uh, in January, we're gonna do on our FPU classes, the Financial Peace University classes again. It's nine weeks on a Wednesday night. What a way to start a brand new decade for you as a single or for you as a young married couple or older married couple to get on the same page about, like, I'm not a Dave Ramsey disciple, I'm a Jesus disciple, but there's some great wisdom, and that's what we looked at last week, when it comes to this idea of how do we go about getting our hands and getting a grip on this. So I just invite you to be thinking about that. Coming in January, you can be a part of that class, and I think it'll be really, really uh, a great blessing to you. But tonight, I want to look at this idea of generosity. How do we grow a generous heart more and more like God's? Because it really is the more blessed way to live. That's what we want. And ultimately, we talked about this last week. I want freedom. That's what you crave. And the more blessed way to live is actually the way that begins to take you. You've heard this phrase. We've all heard that money cannot buy happiness. And everyone in here was like, I'd like to try. Right? Money can't buy happiness. But research is actually saying maybe it can this way. Money cannot make you very, or money can make us very happy when you give it to others. There's a study done by the Harvard Business School a few years back. Professor Michael Norton interviewed over 600 Americans to learn about income levels, uh, their space in life, their season of life, their spending habits, and how happy they were. And they had measurements of how they would go back and kind of measure their happiness. And here's what they found. It was pretty amazing. Regardless of how much money people made, if they chose to give some money to others rather than to spend it all on themselves, they were noticeably happier in life. Every indication pointed that to be true. Think about that. Someone who made $20,000 a year but was generous with their money actually had, was happier than someone who made three times that amount and didn't give a dime of it away to anybody else. Now, we may think that's incredible groundbreaking research, but the Apostle Paul spoke about this just a couple thousand years ago. Can I just refer us to him? And so it just, this is the verse you're going to find, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Now, just a little side note about Paul. Uh, if you don't know his story much, Paul was a bad dude. In fact, his name was Saul. I think there's a TV show about that, right? Uh, better call Saul. Don't call Saul. Okay, and so like this, Saul was a bad dude. In fact, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees who had it out for Christians. And he actually went hunting, literally, for Christians. He watched over Stephen's stoning and his death. He authorized and was kind of sent out to kind of squash out Christianity until one day Jesus shows up and meets Saul and says, why do you persecute me? And this encounter changes Saul's life and his name changes to Paul. And Paul becomes an advocate for Jesus until his dying day not relinquishing the faith. In fact, most of your New Testament is written by this guy who is saying what he's written here. Here's what he said. I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of Jesus. He's referring back to the words that he heard from Jesus. It is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. It is more blessed to give 
than to receive. What Professor Norton discovered just a few years ago was actually written about a couple thousand years ago. And this idea of saying is more blessed, it is the more blessed way to live, to live with a giving, generous heart than even just a receiving. Now, I know every single one of you are sitting there because we're three months away from Christmas, and you're like, hey, I like receiving. Anyone with me? Two of us. Great. We get a lot of stuff. That's awesome, Tyler. So <laughs> we like the receiving end of this. The giving end, we kind of like, but listen, we're, sometimes we're calculating the cost. Don't you find yourself doing that? Of like, okay, okay, they gave me that. So in likeness, I need to do this. And, and like you think through all this stuff, you never say anything. But you're sure thinking about it. And yet this challenge, what Paul is saying is, look, it's more blessed to give, this is what Jesus taught, than just to receive. There's something about that gets transformed in your soul as you begin to live this way. Generosity is not a natural reaction. It is a cultivated habit and choice. And that is what Jesus is getting at. That is what Paul is getting at. That's what the scripture writers are saying. Listen, generosity is just not a natural reaction. It is a cultivated habit and choice that will actually lead you to the more blessed way to live if you choose to take it. So generosity has some benefits to us. One is generosity transforms and grows me. It stretches me. It grows me spiritually. It changes me in my personality. It changes me and transforms me in who I am and how I see the world. And generous, being generous is not just about acknowledging the price tag to a gift that you're giving. Generosity is always about your heart. And you know what God cares about most? Take a wild guess. It ain't the gift. It's your heart. What God cares about most is your heart and my heart. And he wants us to be more and more reflective of his kind of heart. And so as you begin to think about this, as we begin to go, so how do I grow a heart like Jesus? Well, let's go back to Paul. Paul says this in Ephesians 5. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Okay, anything left out there? Everything. Wow. That's like all-inclusive, Paul. Yep, it's an all-skate. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. As we try to figure out how do we follow God's example and everything, we might begin to start thinking about like his character traits, what's he like, and certainly love would bubble up to the top. We, we know the great commandments is to love God, to love people. We just did a series on that. And this idea of love we see laid out in, in the life of Jesus and the way he taught, the way he lived, and ultimately in the sacrifice of his life and his death and his resurrection, uh, of living out. Here's love. It's the, one of the biggest traits. It's what it means to be a person. God is described as love. Not just love, but that's his core character of who he is. Maybe one of the most famous verses that you've seen at football games. John 3.16. You know this verse. For God so loved the world, he what? For God so loved the world, he... That's much better. Good job. He gave. What did he give? He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loved, so God gave. And if you believe, you can receive. That's the gospel, the simplest I can ever make it. 
For some of you, you're wrestling even just there. What I just, I just wanna invite you to consider. Just get curious about Jesus who's making this claim. God's so loved that he gave. It was his love that motivated the gift. It's his love that continues to motivate the giving into your life. It's the most important event in history. Jesus giving his very life. There is no greater picture of love in any piece of literature of Jesus laying down his life. That moment, that gift, that amazing sacrifice will forever declare over your life, whether you recognize it or not, that you are loved and you are treasured by the creator of the, of the universe. Whether you ever acknowledge that or not, that is what is spoken over you every single day, 24-7, 365. Whether you choose to tune in or hear it or not, friends, that is what is spoken over you. God loves you. He is totally for you. He is not against you. Perhaps others have left you or abandoned you or neglected you, but there is someone who has always been in love with you and will continue to always be in love with you. He will never walk out on you. He loves you. He loves me. And when Jesus died on that cross, God was declaring for all of eternity his love for you, permanent. When Jesus was raised again, it was to say this love not only is declaring over you, this love is now pursuing you and will pursue you every day of your life. Whether you choose to say yes to it or not, he's still pursuing you. That's love. Love is what's pursuing you. God's love prompted God to do what? To give. At the end of the day, that's the reality of it. God's love so moved him that it prompted him to now give. We see that. God loved the world he gave because that's what love does. Love doesn't ignore. Love doesn't just shut you out. Love gives to you. God is a giver at his very core. He gave you his son and his generosity didn't stop there. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you his word. He gave you life and he gives those who receive Jesus eternal life. He gave you every good thing that you've ever experienced in life. He gives you food to eat, air to breathe. He's given you all your gifts and talents and abilities and passions wired within you. God is a notorious, unstoppable, insatiable giver who is going to always give more and more to you. And if we are to imitate him, then what does that say to us? Imitate God in everything, Paul's saying. Well, it has to start there. If we're gonna imitate him, generosity has to be a growing reality in our heart. And that means I've gotta grow my generosity over my years. That means I have to make steps in that, not out of obligation. This isn't trying to, okay, I'm gonna do this for you guys so you bless me more. No, no, no. That is a wrong way of looking at generosity. And if that's your way of looking at generosity, then please don't ever give another dime here. Okay, I mean that. We mean that. We want you to grow generosity to God and to have your heart reflect more and more of who he is and what he's really like. And so the challenge and the invitation is simply, how are you doing at that? Are you growing in your generosity more this year than you were five years ago? And maybe that's the challenge. Not to say that it's on this measurement scale, but is there progress in that? 
Because if I'm meant to imitate God, then that means my generosity continues to grow and expand just like his does. And I begin to live that way. And when I live with some margin, then I have the opportunity and the capacity to now express generosity to the people around me. But when I live all the way to the edge, I don't have the opportunity or the capacity to. And so that's why this all fits together. Just saying, I want to grow this heart of generosity. Why do I want to keep growing that heart of generosity? Well, secondly, it's, it's the wisest investment you can make. Generosity toward God is a wise kingdom investment to him. You're investing in blessing people now, and you're also investing into your future, your eternal future. See, if life is just all about accumulating money and stuff and things and experiences, then all that stays here. And all that has a shelf life. But if, if generosity expressed has a way of not just blessing the people around you and blessing you, transforming you, changing you, but it also has a way of being an investment into God's good and the ripple effect that his kingdom can have on behalf of cities and families and regions of the world to begin to have an impact and influence. It begins to take the focus off of ourselves. Here's the reality. There is a pull to whatever we prioritize. Think about that. There is a pull, a natural pull that happens to whatever we prioritize. Uh, think of it this way. Uh, how many of you have ever thought about maybe a new car or a new-to-you car that you were going to go get, and you're like, okay, I've heard good things about that car. You read about that car. Didn't know that car existed. And then all of a sudden, you've been driving around going, man, everyone has this car. Has that happened to anyone? So you begin to see what you prioritize. You begin to have a pull naturally, too. And so you begin to see it everywhere. And what if that pull of generosity began to have an influence upon our hearts, that we begin to see opportunities around us in small ways and in big ways, in, mo in ways that are monetary, in ways that are through my skill sets and my abilities and my time, because that's how I can be generous as well. Generosity isn't just writing a check. It isn't just handing someone cash. Generosity is a, way, a whole way of living that I, I'm not going to make everything about me. I'm going to live with some margin in my time and in my finances and my skill sets and my abilities so I can invest and bless others. Uh, early map makers, I don't know if, if you're under 30, if you've ever seen these things called maps, where they folded out. They weren't just digital on your phone. Uh, you could Google it on your phone uh, if you want. But like you used to be able to have these things and, and maps, as they would indicate, as people would design maps, they would say, we always have like a, a key that would be there. In modern map making, the map was always shown with north being kind of the compass, that true north. They just would assume that that's where you would want to know where true magnetic north is. And so that would help set the direction of all your life. But earlier in the Middle Ages, it was actually east because people had a thought, of, okay, Christianity had a big influence in that time, and they thought, well, surely it has to be toward the most influential place in Christianity, Jerusalem, that's in the east. We use the word orient. Orient just means east. This idea of, okay, we still have an orientation within us. Our lives are the same way. We will all naturally have an orientation to how we go about looking at money, and have an orientation of how we live our life. And so the question is, what will be your point of orientation? Isn't that really what Jesus is getting at? You cannot serve 
both God and money. You will have an orientation, Jesus is saying. It will point you somewhere. So who's it going to be? Jesus was really blunt. I don't know if you know that about Jesus. He was really loving, but really blunt. And so this orientation, where is it going to be? You get to choose that orientation. Back to the Apostle Paul. Here's what he writes to Timothy. Uh, He says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Can I get an amen? (laughs) But put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything, listen, for your enjoyment. Isn't that cool? Money isn't just about paying the bills all the time. Sometimes money can be an enjoyment, and God's okay with that. This idea of, look, in this present world, you're going to have this pull. You're going to have this orientation. You're going to have this tug of war going on. Jesus is saying it. Paul is saying it. The scripture writers all over are saying this. Don't put your hope in money alone, primarily, as the highest priority. Man, that is a word for our culture. Don't put your hope there. It's uncertain. It's okay to aim at it. It's okay to have it. It's not wrong to have it. That's not what he's saying. Don't hinge your hope. Like, don't hook in and say, this is the thing I'm holding on to for all all of life, and, and this is the predominant thing. No, he's saying, look, you want to put your hope in God. You want to click in and clip into him. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. It's an investment for your future. It's an investment to God's movement and the future of that movement that will impact your family, your neighbors, your friends, your region of the city that you're in, and people all around the world. That's what Paul is getting at. That's what the scripture writers are getting to, is let God be your true north. Let him be your orientation. You've got to choose him, or you'll naturally drift toward choosing money. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't have both. So you've got to choose. You've got to orient one way. He must remain the priority and the orientation of your heart and what it defaults to. Let your default go to God, is what Paul is even saying here. I love what he says real simple is teach people to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Look for ways to be generous, not just with your money, but your time and your abilities and your talents. And be generous and willing to share. If you have toddlers, this is a great verse to let them know. See, we share, Jesus says so. Um, This idea of willing to share, what's the key word? Willing. We don't share begrudgingly. Jesus didn't ask for us to, to be like sad givers or reluctant givers. What did he say? Paul writes, be a cheerful giver. That's what God's looking for, okay? Not reluctant. This idea of generosity is we want to grow that. Thirdly is this, generosity blesses and refreshes me. Listen, generosity, when you can get to a place where you begin to practice this, is just fun, folks. I don't know if you've had the opportunity just to practice generosity. But I'm telling you, it is some of the most fun I've ever gotten to do. In our past, helping a a single mom without anyone knowing 
and just knowing, okay, they don't have a stove. That ain't right. And able to step in and fix it. And unbeknownst, that's the best part. It's just to surprise people. And to hear her story a few weeks later about how this showed up and how it got and how it's blessed her family. Oh, <laughs> lips are sealed. It's just fun. It's just fun to be able to do that. Now, you may not be at that capacity. Well, what if you could figure out other things that you could do? And even with your time and with your energy and with your efforts. I love what Proverbs 11 says this, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be what? Refreshed. Can you honestly sit here and say, I don't want more refreshment in life? Or can you honestly sit here and go, man, I want more of that? Well, generosity helps bring that. Generosity to the church, generosity to the people around you has a way of just stirring up a refreshment within your own soul. Don't fall for the lie that says you will be generous one day when you have more money. That is a lie. Because if you're not generous now, you will struggle to be generous then. That is the truth. And so the challenge, Jesus says, is you can't serve both. You gotta choose, you gotta orient your life. Think of a map, like I wanna be the default. Put your hope in me, not your hope in this stuff or the resources that you have. I want you to experience the refreshment of what generosity can bring and breathe into your life as you begin to go about this. And so I want you to begin to practice. One does not become generous when they reach a certain financial threshold. Why? Because generosity is not a natural reaction. It's a cultivated habit and choice. And it starts in everyday decisions. It begins with trying to live within margin so that you have the capacity when you have the opportunity to be generous. Generosity helps us escape the gravitational pull of always wanting more or having our stuff own us versus us just owning stuff. And that's our culture. We got a lot of people that own a lot of stuff, but the reality is it owns them. And they don't even see it. Have you ever logged time there? I have. You know the best way to live? It's just to be generous. Now that doesn't mean you can pay for everything for everybody every single day. But what if you could surprise people a little bit more? And those who refresh others will themselves be what? Refreshed. That there's something that comes along with this. So here's the simple takeaway for tonight. It's twofold. There's two challenges here. Challenges, plural. Are you ready? The two challenges start in this basic reality. Here's the truth. Bottom line, the takeaway. Our hearts grow in generosity, not when we think about it, but when we practice it. Our hearts will grow in generosity. Therefore, it will begin to transform me, begin to change me, I begin to investing in things that outlast me, and I begin to find refreshment in myself. But it doesn't happen just when I think about it. I know a lot of really thinking generous people. You probably do too. And they have this simple prayer that I've prayed at times. God, if you ever want me to be a philanthropist, I would love that job. I think it would be great. God has yet to do that. Because I think the reality is he said, no, 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 let's just start with what you got. And can you be generous here? 
Can we, can we just begin to take some steps here? Can we just begin to practice generosity? And so here's the two challenges. One is individual, one is corporate for all of us. The individual one is simply this. This week, I'm challenging you to go out and be generous, to actually practice generosity. Now, what will that look like? I have no idea. That's the fun part. I'm not telling you to go to Home Depot and watch some contractor rack up $1,000 worth of equipment and go, hey, hey, I got this. That, I mean, if you could do that, that would be a surprise. But I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of, hey, you're in line at the bagel shop, and what if you just paid for the person behind you or the next person there because you're like, okay, I, 10 bucks, I could do that. And you're practicing generosity, and you just pay for it, and you don't have to even say a thing, but if they stop you, here's what you do have to say. When they go, hey, why'd you do that? Because most people will ask you, hey, why'd you do that? Then you go, I go to this church, and they're trying to tell me to practice generosity. <laughs> the preacher dude said I had to try it, and so, ta-da, I'm doing it. You can even be reluctant about it, but then you have to follow up with this. I hope it blesses you, and actually, to be honest, I would love to pray for you if you'd let me. Anything I could pray for you about? Even in reluctance, God will use that. Even if you're hesitating, God will use it. It may be in the coffee shop, it may be the bagel shop, it may be ice cream. I don't know why I'm thinking all about food. Uh, I'm hungry, but it's just, it could be anywhere. Okay, but what if you could just say, I'm going to practice? That's the individual challenge for each one of us. No matter where you are, it's just to say, okay, this week I'm going to actually practice. I'm going to live this out. I mean, if you want to bring the receipt and show me, I'll clap for you. Um, But it's scout's honor. Like, I'm just trying to trust you to do it, and I'm challenging myself to do it as well. That you would find someone this week and be praying, God, let me have a divine appointment with somebody where I could just bless them. And if they ask me about it, then I promise I will blame that preacher guy. And just, I'll talk about it. And you can just talk about, hey, they're challenging me to grow my generous heart like God, and and God's really generous, and I just wanted to bless you, and can I pray for you for anything? The second challenge is for all of us, and it's this. This week, tonight, before midnight, I'm gonna challenge us, we wanna challenge us as a staff um, to say, we, we know of four or five people in our church that could use a surprise blessing. Uh, someone dealing with health issues, uh, a young family that could use a shot in the arm, a couple people going out on missions, a uh, single mom that we would love to surprise. And, and here's the invitation for you. It's just for us to practice this, which means we're actually gonna put you know, weight to it. Yesterday I logged on and did this through the app and gave a little bit and said, okay, this is for what we affectionately call around here Hope Mob, okay? It's just a mob of people who are bringing some hope to people, okay? So Hope Mob. So when you open up your app and you go to the Give section and you click to give, you type in whatever money you want to give, so maybe it's 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever it is. You're going to type that in. It's going to click, go to one link, and then in a little drop-down menu, it says general fund. That's your tithes and offerings. We encourage you to keep doing that. That's awesome. Um, But also, Hope Mob is like the second thing down, okay? And you can select that and say, I want to give five bucks, 10 bucks, you know, 20 bucks, whatever it may be, for that Hope Mob expression. And it's before midnight tonight, okay? 
We're going to try to cap it at midnight. Whatever comes in, we're going to use to bless those four or five people, okay? We're going to surprise them. We're not telling them uh, anything about it. It's just going to show up, okay? So that's what we want to do all together. Does that sound good? So you're all in on it. Uh, even if you're not in on it, just nod your head and pretend like you're in on it. Uh, and that's the invitation for you. It's individual expression this week, somewhere in your week. For some of you, uh, tomorrow's Monday, and you go to the same coffee shop every single Monday because it's Monday, and you know people there. You can bless somebody. It may be Thursday or Friday, whatever it may be. Find the expression that's best for you. Individually, practice generosity. And tonight, let's all figure out a way that we can practice generosity as a church. Bless some folks within our house that would be blessed and surprised by that and would be an encouragement from God to them that he notices and he sees and he's for them. Sound good? Whoever refreshes the hearts of others is himself refreshed. Practice generosity. What we lean into every week as we take communion is the generosity of God, the incredible generosity of God saying, I love you, I'm for you. I'm still for you that you may not even ever recognize it, but I'm still for you. And so I'm sending my son, and Jesus came on a search and rescue mission for you and for me. God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have life, and life eternal, life now on into eternity. That's the hope of the gospel. And so if that strikes a chord for any of you, we would love to pray for you tonight if you want to say yes to that. I'm asking you to say yes to generosity, to lean into the truth that Jesus came, to be the the greatest expression of God's generosity ever, that he loves you, that he took your brokenness and your sin and your shame, he wore it, he dealt with it, he buried it and left it behind, and he rose again that we might have life with him on into eternity. And so as we take communion tonight, that's what I'm inviting you to remember, is to lean in to God's generosity and allow that to stir your heart. See, God's generosity is meant to generate generosity within us as his followers. That's the invitation. So let's practice this this week and let's share some stories next week of how it goes. And as we surprise people, we'll report back in a few weeks how that went uh, and let you all know. So God, that's what we pray for. Uh, We want to be a people that grow in this Jesus, you had so much to say about all areas of life, including our finances. And you want us to experience freedom. You want us to experience refreshment. You want us to be a blessing and to be blessed in the same way. So, Father, would you grow each one of us into a next step that we need to take with that? For some of us, maybe it's signing up for that class. For some of us, it's just figuring out how do you live with margin a little bit more. For some of us, it's just how do I make giving a priority now? I've never done that. Maybe it's flipping these buckets. It could be a host of things. But, Father, would you show each one of us our next step? As we remember your son, we lean into your generosity. May that never grow old to us. As we worship in this final song as well, God, would you stir our hearts to want to be a generous church and a generous person and a generous people. 
that our generosity would be a testimony to the watching world. Why do you just give? Because we love. Love is what prompts us to give, as it did for you, God. We thank you for that.